All right. Hey, Justin. Hey, Cameron. How you doing, bud? Good. Welcome to Southern Hostility. It is. Yep. I'm still feeling a little hostile. Are you? Because jackasses don't know how to park in my goddamn parking garage. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, that was on the Facebook, was it not? The Facebook and the Twitter. Oh, gotcha. And he was still there. He or she. Yeah. Equal opportunity jackassery going on here. Mm-hmm. Park was still parked. So I arrived at work a little before 10 o'clock in the morning. Left work about 5.20, 5.30. Car's still there. It's straddling the line. If you are just a bad parker, usually your wheels are on, like your tires on the line. That's a pass because you're just bad at parking. When your infinity that is six or seven years old is straddling the line, you're just a jackass. So I wrote a note and I put it on his windshield, or their windshield. That reminds me, we saw the uh, the Ford Taurus at the movie theater that was parked in two spots as well. Yeah. It was. <sighs> so, yeah. And it's it's never a nice car. Like it's a, it's an old Infinity. It wasn't even you know a Porsche yeah. or a Lamborghini. And if they're in the parking garage, they're probably going to be parked far away and not going to park near the front. That was the thing that I think pissed me off the most. They're parking. They're taking up two spots near the front, which is the exit area, the the elevator lobby. Not in the back. If you're in the back, okay. I'm not going to like call you out on that because at least you're in the back, far away from everybody. Come on, man. Anyways, the note said, um, park, uh, sorry, the, the note said, park better, asshole. <laughs> Short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so put it right there towards facing the inside. So when he gets in or he or she gets in the vehicle, they see themselves being called an asshole. This podcast is rated PG-13. Yes. Anyways. Hockey. Yeah, all right, so let's go with the word association thing. I felt yeah. like it worked well. I don't know if listeners did because I didn't get any feedback as usual, but we feel like it we worked well. We get feedback. No, you might get feedback. No, we get feedback. Johnny, I know Johnny's going to be listening. Yeah, J- Johnny, Johnny, make sure to include both of us, but it's Johnny and that's it. <sighs> Folks, you know, Cameron's feeling a little lonely. No. Make sure you, make sure you tweet yeah. him. I'm just... I'm just saying sometimes it feels like snow, throwing a snowball into hell. I think I've said that before, though. <laughs> okay, heck, um, okay, heck, boy. All right. So, word association again. Um, let's talk about Gloria. G-L-O-R-I-A. <laughs> so, the Blues are doing well, unfortunately, yeah. which... <laughs> It's so funny because I had the hot take at the beginning of the season that Jake Allen wasn't going to be good enough and they had nobody behind him, so they were going to have their struggles, which was true. And then nobody behind Jake Allen decided to make every save possible and propel them into the playoffs. Calm, collective the entire way. Yeah, which, you know, an average AHL goalie comes to the NHL and starts performing like that because that makes perfect sense. Total perfect sense. I'm sure everyone (laughs) called that one. (laughs) Um, But they're playing – so I've heard people – like I listen to all the hockey podcasts Mm -hmm. and I keep hearing references to this on Gloria and I'm like – yeah. You know, what's this song they keep talking about, Gloria? Is this, like, some new song I haven't heard? And then, like, on the way here, I put it on, and I'm like, oh, it's this shitty song. (laughs) What's a catchy song? Okay, but it's, like, from Flashdance. (laughs) 
Okay, hockey teams choose the most random songs as their big Sure, songs. but we're not talking about um, Get Back Where We Started From or anything like that. They're like the classic quintessential songs. We're talking about Gloria. I mean, the Predators use All Night Long for a whole season. Lionel Richie. And it was a thing. Everybody caught on to it. They yeah, but do you even know who sings Gloria? Of course not. Who? I don't know. Yeah, I love how you looked down at your phone like instantly it's going to randomly appear. <laughs> Who sings Gloria? <laughs> but they play it in their locker room and it just filter on over into mass crowd stuff. Yeah. And then radio, this is what happens in the playoffs. Which right? it's fine if it's organic and whatnot, but it, like it the is song organic. is shit. It's a <laughs> shitty song. Like, then, get I better. Think it's shittier to you because it's the blues. Yes. Like, it could have been any song and I would have been like, it's shit. This but is dumb. This one, like, even if it weren't the blues, I'd be like, this is shit and it's dumb. You know, with, with the blues and what they're doing, boy, if the blues fans are listening to this, we're going to get eaten alive. What I think would be hilarious, this is my hilarious troll job, mm -hmm. is that they make it to the final and then they get swept again. Can you imagine if you as a team, it's been over 40 years, and then you've been to the final three times, and you've never won a game, and you finally make it back again after everything that has happened, and you get swept again. Can you imagine the chaos? Uh, <laughs> That'd be the ultimate hockey god troll job right there. Yeah, I'm, um, well, anyway. <laughs> uh, you wanted me to add this to the list. Let's talk about Brad Marchand. So I did I did the word association on Twitter for this, uh -huh. and this one. Let's do the word association game. Brad Marchand. Now you go. I had so many different responses. Most of them were usually rat or licking. A few people were like um, glorious or pest, or there were some that were very that were positive about it. Legend, goat, things like that. Brad Marchand is a very 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 good hockey player. A hundred point season. Of course he's a good hockey player. But dude, cut the other shit out. Cut it out, man. I know the, the one interview he did pregame with uh, what Kyle Buskakis, I think it was, and he made the joke. Do we have to bleep that? Shut up. <laughs> and he made the, the joke when he stepped on the, the stick in the Columbus series, right? And the Bruins players were joking about it, and he asked, did you uh, sharpen your skate? And Brad just skated off. Like, dude, you were the one joking about it. The reporter brought it up. So then after the game, which they won, they won the series against Columbus. The team won the game, and then he did one-word answers after it. And some of them were decent questions. Not every questions would be good, but decent questions. One-word answers. We were good. Yep. It's great. Dude, F off. Go after yourself. Answer the damn question that you're being asked. You just won the game. You won the damn game. Answer some of these questions. These reporters and stuff are there doing their job to give your team props, basically. You just won the series. Answer the freaking question. Answer the question. I mean, maybe those reporters had southern accents. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people like, well, I'd love to have them on this team. Love to have that talent, but the personality and the player itself, hell no. Hell no. No. Deal, deal with all that bullshit of licking, licking again. <laughs> <laughs> Being told professionally not to lick. Not to lick. 
stepping on people's sticks and everything. It's gone from the whole playing in the gray area. He's just seen how far he can go before he gets suspended. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's coming down to. And it's very frustrating. I'm not trying to be that old guy that doesn't like, you know, how the hockey's changing. No, 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 no. That's ruining it. You are a very fantastic player with a huge amount of skill out there that can do this without the other shit. No. Do it. Yep. Okay. That's me. Um, let's talk about the bunch of jerks. Bunch of jerks. They got routed in their first game. Now, some people may say the referees had something to do with that. <laughs> yeah. But they still should score more goals if they, if they want to win the game. Sure. But it's impressive what they've accomplished so far this playoff. So impressive. Yeah. Oh, man. The sweep of the Islanders. Like, like we all saw that coming, right? Well, it was the first time since, what, 92 that a team that swept in the in a previous round got swept in the next round. Really? Yeah. That is... That's an interesting that, little piece of trivia. That is interesting. But can you imagine you're being an Islanders fan? Obviously, they've had a lot of salt already with the Devaris thing. Yeah. They take out Pittsburgh. I mean, they're the team to take out Pittsburgh, so yeah. the nation. It's like, go! Oh, that's great! You took out Pittsburgh! And then you get swept. Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting little tidbit. Uh-huh. The Islanders only played one more game than Tavares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, curious, too, with the Islanders is that I, I feel for them as the fans in terms of they had such a tremendous series in sweeping the Penguins at the Coliseum. And then they had to go play in Brooklyn again. Completely different atmosphere. It can be draining, not built for hockey, nothing like that. Black, but again, major props to Carolina what they've done, and people making fun of that fan base and everything. Look, there are plenty of times with fan bases. This is the hostility coming out mm -hmm. again. Plenty of times with fan bases, if teams are underperforming, you can't expect them to be in the stands all the time. It's happened in how many different original six markets? Look at Detroit. Okay, we're gonna show up to Joe. These games were quote unquote sold out. But there weren't even 50% of butts in the seats. Okay? So stop with the shit of butts in the seats just because it's a sellout, okay? Carolina, the four times they made the playoffs, they made the conference final. But then between them, that decade that they just recently missed out on, they never finished higher than, I think, ninth in the conference. Which eighth would have been in the playoffs, of course, usually. But they never finished higher than that. Most of the time, they were 11, 12, 13. If you're in the bottom... You can't expect people to always come there. So the fans are there, but they're not going to go. And I understand that now they're back. Also, look where the damn arena is. Mm -hmm. Middle of nowhere, next to a football field and a huge parking lot, which is great for tailgating when the fans are showing up. But you put an arena where it's not in a good place for people to naturally come out and enjoy their time. Like mm -hmm. Nashville's lucky with that. Nashville's so lucky with that. Yeah. New York, obviously. <clears throat> but I am so excited for Southern Hockey and Carolina Hurricanes, and they're already seeing huge amounts of registration for youth hockey. Everything's getting picked up there so quickly because people are loving the sport again there, and you mm -hmm. see that boost in terms of hockey players. I mean, that's what I'm about is the growth of the sport, and that's exactly what it's doing. Yeah, I was listening to the uh, Preds Insiders show, and those guys were talking about how with like the record that the Hurricanes have had during that time frame, if the same record were in Nashville, they probably wouldn't have survived. And I think that's accurate. It's impressive that the Hurricanes are even still there. Oh, that was my show, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me pose that back to you then in terms of resume. I mean, the Nashville Predators, what is it? 
12 out of the past 15 mm-hmm. seasons that have made the playoffs. They've had one deep run, made the second round three times, I think. Carolina Hurricanes, though, they have a cup. But they had a decade of no playoffs. I was looking at this from the perspective of you make the playoffs, you have a chance to win. You just look at the resume. Mm-hmm. So the, the majority of times you have the opportunity to win a championship, whereas Carolina already has one. But does that still count in it? Which resume would you rather have? Looking at it just resume perspective, not team. Yeah. From a resume perspective, I agree that um, I'd if I could do it all over again, I, I'd let it happen the way it happened. I don't think Nashville survives uh, that bad of a record. Um, not only that, Predators fans right now, since they went to the Stanley Cup final, they're a little bit spoiled. And if the Predators had gone a de- on, in, an, in on a deep run early on, I don't think there would have been enough casual fans to help them survive that time frame. Where if it's just the scenario of I'm going to go see whatever hockey team is in town regardless and whatever happens, happens. Those fans supported the team for so long and now it's not really that perspective anymore. It's... I want them to win, and if they don't, I'm going to be on Facebook yelling. I'm going to have ridiculous grown man screeching in the stands, which I have heard multiple times in multiple games in the playoffs since that took place. I've been to a lot of those elimination games, and let me tell you, the screeches I've heard from grown men would make you sick. I don't want to be sick, so keep that to yourself. It's just hilarious, though. People are so spoiled. It's like... I've seen grown men like pounding their fist into their hands and just like it's little baby fits, but they're like bearded men. <laughs> baby bearded men. Yeah, like do you remember on the playground when like you knocked the uh the like uh recessed treat out of somebody's okay. hand and it fell in the sand? Okay. The reaction you'd get. That's what happens to Predators fans when the Predators, like, have that bad Game 7 or it's Game 6 and they're not playing well. Or they lose to Carolina in the regular season. Yeah. Again. (laughs) (laughs) But but for real, good for Carolina. It's exciting there. And good – I mean, Justin Williams – yeah, what he's done in his career and being able to be a part of certain special teams and be a leader on a very young team like that too. Yeah, is, definitely. And Mar- uh, Peter Morazic, how he's been kind of flopped around different places and couldn't find it. Now yeah. here he was able to be, have some success. Or both the te- both the goalies there. Yeah. It's been a really nice story, and that's what we like on the playoffs. All right, so Justin, I want the inside scoop on what the Duchesne rumors look like right now. <laughs> I love stirring the pot, man. <laughs> Oh man, it was so funny. As soon as Matt Duchesne tweeted out that he's coming to Nashville for a party, it's like, well, he has a rental property. Is he going to stay there? What's he going to do now? Is he going to meet with David Poyle? Let's tamper if he meets David Poyle. You can't tamper yet. you got to wait until the end of June to be able to talk to anybody like that. But he's coming to Nashville. What's he going to do? He's going to see people. He's probably going to see the Predators players. Oh, what's he going to do here? Oh man, it's so fun. It is so fun to stroke that wheel of just the rumor train. Yeah. Because the thing is, nothing can. You, you cannot actually have official conversations until the conversation period opens which is right before free agency it's a few days before free agency yeah so we're not going to hear anything you can hear rumors all you want people are going to put clickbait articles out and everything about rumors nothing's going to be true until that time period yeah well you keep seeing the headline like 
National Predators interested in Matt Duchesne. And I'm like, yeah, no what shit. else What else is new over yeah. the last half decade? P.K. Subban might get traded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good job. Oh, man. But for real. I, obviously, there's interest there. There's there's going to be interest until they get him. Or it's just because he signs a long-term deal with another team. The talks are going to be there because there is actual interest in Matt Duchesne. Yeah. It's been shown before. They've talked about it before. It just hasn't worked out. Yeah. And even if he signs a long-term deal, there's still going to be that, like, well, what if this crazy scenario took place right. where they upset, like, he upsets his current team, but not enough yeah. to be a, yeah. considered a terrible player and blah, blah, blah. Or like a bad season yeah. and looking to shed some cap. Yeah. <laughs> but Columbus, though? Had they made a, a de- little bit deeper of a run, had they made it to the conference final, I think it would even higher likelihood that a lot of those players resign. Mm-hmm. But now I think D- Duchesne still might, depending on yeah. what, what happens there. But there's opportunity for him to make a lot of money. Dezingle could be another target as well. I'm very curious. I mean, Columbus is going to lose a lot. I mean, Breadman, yeah. Bobrovsky, who knows. But the future Norris Trophy candidate yeah. on that team. From a player perspective, they didn't accomplish anything, yada, yada, yada. You know, we set out to accomplish this, and yeah. we didn't, you know. But from a fan perspective, oh, gosh. and even from a locker room perspective, just getting the um, monkey off your back, you know, like, I don't know if they had even won four games in uh, total in the playoffs, let alone in a single playoff. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they've gotten that monkey off their back is going to go a long way moving forward. And so the, the sales, just like in Carolina, the ticket sales of season yeah. ticket renewals and everything, poof, skyrocketed. Yeah, that's like, what you want as a team if you can keep building. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. They went all in, and from a business perspective, it paid off. It so. That's going to open up a lot of per, a lot of possibilities moving forward. Teams are going to be making those moves like that, and it's like that's a, at least I hope so. Yeah, and it made it interesting and fun. It made it really fun for them to do that and for them to win around the way they did mm-hmm. against who they did against who they did uh, yeah. with the, with those players of all the free agents, even their own their home free agents of Panarin and Bobrovsky that are upcoming UFAs. So. Good for Columbus. You know, good for them to have that because they can build off of that, and then hopefully those players can talk to other free agents if it's a good place to play, and maybe they can build off that too. Now there is talk that John Davidson might be going, uh, leaving for the Rangers, like Rangers. So more changes could be in store for Columbus. But but yeah, we'll we'll see about Matt Duchesne uh, in the next few weeks. Um, let's talk about Captain Kyle Terrace. Captain Kyle Terrace for our Team Canada. Yeah, Kyle Terrace has worn letters before in his career. What are you laughing at me for? Nothing. I it's he, I just see the reactions on Reddit and on Facebook and stuff like that. The thing is, Kyle Turris has been a leader in the locker room before. Mm-hmm. And for Team Canada, when you're not going to have certain other players as well, why not? Overall, Kyle Turris, aside from last year, he has contributed on the teams that he plays for. Mm-hmm. He has been a part of Team Canada in years past as well. There is nothing wrong with him being the captain of... of Canada there. Now, Canadians are probably going to see it a different way. Like, r- really? Look at the season you just had. But it's not based on that. It's based on other merits as well. And if anything, if that helps boost his confidence or his trade value, any of those things, it's a win. It's a win because mm-hmm. he's out there now and he has confidence that, well, hey, if Hockey Canada can believe in me 
and make me a captain and my team yeah. believes that I can be a captain here too, then I can contribute. And that's a confidence boost that sometimes players just need, especially coming off of injury like he did. Definitely. Yeah, and it's good for him. Like uh he he he's earned that spot in previous years and with what he's accomplished in his yeah. career. Um people are letting one season affect their opinion. Their entire opinion. It's the playoffs last year and all of this year. Right. They're letting that cloud their opinion. And that's a major chunk of time that he's been with the Predators. So I don't necessarily blame that just based no, on sample it. size. But, you know. But looking at pre before that, that contract was not a bad contract given what he had accomplished pre previously. You know, I still don't think it's a bad contract. You know. He can get back into his typical production. No, definitely not. Not to be a solid second line center. And with the way the cap keeps going up and up, right. six million is going to be looking like four million in a few years, and Especially that Benito four yeah. million dollar contract of is going to look like two million. And uh, um, Yarn Crook's two million is going to look <laughs> like a one it, mil. <laughs> it looks like one mil now, to be honest with you. Like that's such Fourth a deal. Center, yeah. Yarncroke. Yep. <laughs> uh, and. The biggest compliment I can give to Yarn Croak is that you you don't notice him often. No, and that that's a good thing because usually he's not making big mistakes. Exactly. Like nobody talks about Yarn Croak because he's always in the right spot doing the right things. Now he's not that flashy standout player. But he had a hat trick. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> that's the thing. The Predators do have a lot of pieces, which we can go right into it. How do you fix the Nashville Predators? Uh, <laughs> what a loaded question. Well, yeah, give give <laughs> give a simple answer to start out with. A simple answer? Yeah. You trade one of the big four. Mm hmm And then you bring in more offensive talent. That's one thing we talked about in our little meeting at uh, Demos downtown right. when we went to lunch and recorded that little brief message at right. the uh, <laughs> beginning of last week. The last <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think the right move is... You know, heavy loaded on the defensive end is not successful in the current NHL playoffs. Now, that could just be the last few years, but this is a copycat league. And the direction to go in might be split it up and load up up front. You have to have two solid lines of production. Yeah. And the Predators just do not have that right now. Yeah. They don't. And, I mean, there's potential there. If um, Mikhail Glenn can get back into his shape and feel comfortable in the system, which I think going through a training camp, mm -hmm. he'll be fine. He'll get back to what his production was like with Minnesota. Yeah. He's not a concern there. Craig Smith, you can usually count him for 20 goals. It's more of you need something, somebody that's a little more flashy on your second line mm -hmm. that makes other teams prepare for. Because what happens in the regular season? Oh, yeah, Joe going to score. They're going to score. In the playoffs, when you have extra time to prepare and game after game after game after game after game, See the same line come out, you can shut down Jofa. Then what? So, <laughs> a lot of people have talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins and what they're going through and the potential to see a swap there for... No. <laughs> well, my follow-up question to that would be, <laughs> do you think they are... Would it be meth or is it, you know, cocaine? Like, what is the drug of choice that leads them down that road? Oh, my God. If... A lot of people are like, well, what about Malkin? Subban Malkin, just flip him. Yes, Subban has had his fair share of injuries. I don't think that solves any problem for the Penguins. It doesn't solve any problem for the Predators, really, either, when I think about it. Because you, if you can only count on Malkin for 50 games, 
That's true. And what if he's what if the the fifteen games he misses are at the end of the season and in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. What does it do for you then? Not, I'm not saying yes, people are gonna come back. Well, Superman's been injury prone, but then you have three other defensemen mm-hmm. that are making up that are good elite talents. Yeah, Malkin's gone. Who's the other elite center making up for him being gone? No one. Yeah, that that's why I don't think it works for the Predators, and that's why I hate that proposal right there too. If if you're looking to flip something, if you're looking at Pittsburgh, let's say, then Kessel. But even then, that's not what I want. I want that's younger. A, yeah, that's a short-term solution to short-term. a long-term problem. There's, there's other teams out there that do have some loaded-up front talent that could use a defenseman like Subban, like Yossi, like Ekholm, like Ellis. The whole situation comes into Ellis is just going to be kicking into his new deal, a team-friendly deal without yeah. clauses. You do that, you're never going to get it again. Subban, elite talent. Elite talent. He's elite Subban is an elite defenseman. Haters. Matthias Ekholm, he's an elite talent as well, but he's not valued near as high as others. Mm-hmm. Roman Yossi is your homegrown captain who's going to be commanding a lot, and he's extremely good at moving the puck, skating, and skating into the offensive zone. You do that, then you're looking at another captain situation, which is not a big deal or anything, but Roman Yossi is still one of your homegrown guys. Each one of those presents a problem or a solution. <laughs> yeah. Depending on what you want your return to be. And all of the top four Nashville Predators defensemen, in my opinion, could go on 75% of the NHL teams, be a top pairing defenseman right out of the gate. So, and they, they'll be there for the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. So, what I would want in return is at least one player who's going to be an elite scorer for three to five years. Mm-hmm. Anything less than that, it's not worth the deal. Now, um, you can include like prospects or hot picks too. Yeah. And I'd be okay. Yeah. Like you can get enough of a prospect pool to supplement that, but they need to make room for someone like Dante Fabro Fabro to make a larger impact. Oh yeah. Because he he was actually a pretty consistent player in the playoffs. Um, You need to give an opportunity like that to somebody younger. And that's something that they haven't had the ability to do since before Seth Jones was drafted. So here's here's one thing. (laughs) Obviously, the the most return you're probably going to get is for P.K. Subban for most teams. Correct. Most return. Subban knows that. He addressed it. Yeah. Season ending. And I'm not saying I'm not not on the train of you need to trade PK Subban. I don't know who you need to trade. And that's the whole thing with this. Like after the performance we've gotten in the last two playoffs, like it's gone from an outlier where, well, I'd take that same crew and you know let's double up again. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's not. You know, let's try again. Now it's something's broken, and we know that enough at this point. Something is broken. Yeah, because this entire season, I never felt like this was the team. It wasn't an it factor. Yeah, and that was the same way in that 2016-2017 season, but then they turned it on, and this team showed no ability to ever turn it on. Whereas Carolina, you felt something special brewing. Yeah. So so here's, here's my thing. You call up Ken Holland, now with Edmonton. Uh-huh. This would be the prime tra- – this is this would be a trade that would be extremely hard to pull off. Um, first of all, McDavid is not included, so don't even think I'm going to go that ridiculous hot take route. But Edmonton knows that 
they should know that it's not just two big scores that are going to make you win games. You have to have a solid defense as well. You have to have some defensive prowess, and they do have that as well. But you need something elevated a little bit more. It would be very difficult. I doubt this would work, but I would see this as fair is if the Predators sent Subban and their first-round pick to the Oilers for Dreisaitl. That is a lot of cap to take on, and Predators have to make other moves, like potentially you know Nick Benino or Calter, maybe. But that's obviously worth it. On the other end, a one-for-one one I could also see would be Nugent Hopkins for Subban. Flip those. And I'd be more okay with that, given the age and everything. Nuge can, can be a top performer as well. That's probably more likely of a deal. I'd even be worth this, I think it'd be worth sending a second or third. Or yeah. maybe a third. More of a third-round pick. Or a fourth. Predators have two-fourths this year. Send a fourth. Something in return. That's just an example. But like you're saying, it's got to be talent that can that is young and can score and, and produce for a little bit. But you're not going to go and just find – you're not going to get McDavid. You're not going to get a Larkin <laughs> from yeah. Detroit. It's going to be tough to, to go out there, and it's probably not going to be sought after. It's probably not going to get that in free agency unless it's Duchesne or something like that. And there's also uh, Kevin Hayes. I still don't think it's terms of worth it and what he's going to command on the open market. There's lots of open market guys they are going to be out there that I don't think are worth it. So I, I think something's going to go down at the draft. Somebody box here, will be there. I think something <laughs> will go down at the draft just because that's when a lot of phones are going to be ringing is at the draft. And I hope it's something that will take care of that. But I do think someone's got to get moved. Um, I think it was Ryan Porth that mentioned Nick, training Nick Benino. That's four mil right there that could clear up some space in, in terms of things. So, Cameron, what, what, what kind of do any players stand out to you in terms of forwards that you think they could get in return for trading one of the top four? No. I mean, I, I just think it's going to be so difficult. Like, I've seen a lot of talk with Toronto being discussed, and, like, a lot of the Toronto media just hates William Nylander, so, like... Yeah, that, with that contract. Yeah. That, there's Marner that still needs to get signed. Who yeah. Wants Austin Matthews money. And there's also Nazem Kadri, who, look at his suspension history, you really want that. Yeah. We're going to hear, but he can produce. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be a one-for-one. No. There'd have to be something else coming too. Yeah. <laughs> From Toronto. Not, yes. not Nashville. Yeah. For that. So, I mean, well, there isn't there this guy named uh, Weber up in Montreal? <laughs> Honestly, Weber coming home someday solves a lot of the issues for the Nashville Predators. <laughs> Especially on Facebook. Well, no, I just mean from like a cap perspective oh, yeah, with yeah. the cap recapture I, stuff. I'm and... not even worried about that. There's going to be a loophole. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. They're going to but... pull the shit out of that. Yeah. There, there's no way they're going to force a quote unquote expansion team to deal with that. Yeah. There, there's just no way, especially when it's Philly that forced the issue. But one of the top four has got to go. And yeah. I, I don't know who. I don't. Everyone's going to have their opinion on who. Even though I hate would hate to see PK Subban go, he brings the most value. Even before we saw the result from this playoffs, I was leaning in that direction because with the Seattle expansion draft looming, you're gonna have to move a piece in order because you can't protect four D again. You just can't. Right. Well, they can by trade. I yes. Mean, I think I think if anything, whoever the GM is of Seattle is gonna more willing to work with David Boyle than George McPhee. That's probably true. <laughs> Just to, to save somebody. <laughs> so I, I think that's where I want to continue to tell people. is like, look, yes, you're going to have your numbers of your protects, but you can make sure that a team doesn't pick by making a trade happen. 
Yeah, and all things considered, uh, David Poyle made a tough decision, but he made the right one he, with the last <laughs> expansion draft. Oh, healthy scratch, James Neal. In the playoffs. In the playoffs, healthy scratch with the, the division winner. And there's still people like, bring James Neal home. Yeah. No! After he gets bought out, yes. Bring him home for a mil and a half. Yes. What? <laughs> or two mil, whatever. Let uh, the Flames pay him and yeah. then pay him... A mil, a mil and a half. Sure, bring him home. Let's do it. Yeah. I think, honestly, he'd be a lot more driven because that'd be a bit of a wake-up call for him being bought out. Still gets paid. Yeah. And when he came back through town, he said it's good to be home again, stuff like that. So he's definitely still feeling that connection with Nashville. At time, he really connected with Nashville. Yeah. No, I I think he was very happy here. But not at his current uh, salary amount like now, let, let him get bought out and then we'll I don't think there's that. any uh, media he would talk to given how most media have talked about him on Twitter <laughs> he sees that. So, well he does search his own name he does search his own name that is really creepy when that happens to him. <laughs> uh. yeah I when he first got traded here I tweeted something about him being like you know I kind of get like a douchey vibe from James Neal and then I get an alert on my phone you have been followed by James Neal <laughs> did he unfollow you later yes <laughs> So he knew who what he was doing. Uh-huh. Oh man. That is that is get a burner account, dude. Have your real account get a burner. Or just delete Twitter and move on with your life. Or that too. <laughs> like realize, oh, you know, I'm I've got this awesome job and I'm making good money. Like you know, I'm not gonna care about what some fat kid from Nashville says. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. Um, there's been a lot of news in um, the women's hockey world. Yes. Let's kind of get into that. Sure. So um, the CW, uh, CWHL, CWHL folded. folded. Um, the NWHL is kind of in a weird spot right now. And they said that they were going to have teams, what, in Toronto and Montreal? Yeah. I think. But now there's 200 players plus who have said, boycotting. we ain't playing. They're not playing until they have some sort of plan of actual competitive salaries. And I've heard people talk about this. Like somewhere in the NHL office, is there an envelope sealed with a plan for when there's no women's league? Because what they've always said is until there's one cohesive league, we are not getting involved. And multiple people have said that they do not like the way the NWHL is currently run. Yeah. Now... Do you think such an envelope exists? I don't think it's in an envelope. <laughs> I think it's on like a flash drive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think the NHL has a realistic plan at this point. I think they said that as like a way to. I think it's all know, up in their heads. I think they just. Is. I think they just keep uh, kicking that can along down the road. I don't think they actually have any type of cohesive plan for when it falls upon their shoulders, like it inevitably will, because it is already. Yeah. I mean, ooh, they said, oh, well, we're going to double the amount that we're giving the NWHL. You're giving the same amount to yeah. more players. Which is, like, probably the salary they have for, like, the people who get some coffee and stuff like that. Like, it's not much, no. all things considered. Not for a league. Not for a league. And it cannot be successful unless you have the backing of that league. And people are going to, you know, clap back of, well, it's not up to them. It's up to them to get it started. And once it becomes, once it gets, it's like when you're planting a tree. Okay, do you just pop it in the ground and say, good luck? Usually not. If you plant a nice tree that you want to grow to be a good, strong-rooted tree, 
you're making sure it's taken care of, you're building that, that mound around it so it continues to protect the stump and it gets the water in there, you continue to fertilize it, you're taking care of the tree. But then once it's ready to go, you just let it go and do its own thing, right? It's the same damn thing! Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have the right backing somebody to take care of it first and let it grow and establish itself. Then you can back away and be like, look what we helped build, it is awesome. Go and be your own thing and be awesome. And at this point, I'm sure a lot of uh, people, like I'm sure a lot of people have moved on with their own lives. But what a great opportunity to find um, well-known women hockey players with enough with quality experience mm -hmm. who can be at the forefront of developing this thing. People who'd never had the opportunity to right. play for professionally, but went out and you know became profession business professionals and things like that. Find a way to get them involved and be at the forefront of developing this thing, so they have that opportunity in another way. Um, that's something you could do that would could be really beneficial to this league. Um, but yeah, like do something. And they've done. They they wrote a very small check. Other than that, what have they done? Statements. Yeah. <laughs> they've given press releases which are basically a thumbs up emoji well, and, and the buttes uh, so basically they relinquished the pagulas yeah. with the sabers relinquished them back to the league which helped me what does that mean it means that the buffalo sabers will no longer be controlling yeah controlling but stakeholders in the butte success is that something that was asked of them to do to give back to the nwhl did they oh no that's a that's a bad thing well, yes, <laughs> it is a bad thing because um, I'm basically saying they're wiping their hands of it. They don't want to deal with it because before for PR, you'd have to go through the Buffalo Sabres for mm -hmm. a PR request for the Buttes. Yeah. So that's why it's difficult for me to ever get the Buttes <laughs> <laughs> on this show because they're dealing with Buffalo Sabres stuff. Yeah. And everything. And Shannon Zabado said in interviews like how beneficial that connection was because they had plenty of ice time. They yeah. had – they basically had the same access that the uh, Sabres players had right. to ice time. Now and it's gone. Yeah, now it's gone. Now it's just gone. Yeah. So that's that's it's another step too to where a new another league's gonna have to be formed with different types of leadership because what's shown to what I've heard I've heard from sports agents I've you know seen from players they don't believe that the NWHL is the right way and that's what they're showing here because even though the NWHL said that Toronto we're gonna have more teams to make sure these players have a place to play even though that was said that obviously shows the players it's not good enough because one they want competitive salaries. To get paid because you have most most of the players that are playing professional women's hockey, that is not their only job. Not everyone's Hillary Knight that has endorsement deals, that has all these deals that can live off of what they've accomplished internationally and everything too, you know, representing Team USA. Most of them have other jobs. I've talked to so many of them that they're teachers. They work in business. They do all these other things. They have their regular jobs and they go and practice at night like beer leaguers sometimes do. And then they play professionally on the weekends. And they travel and then they're back at home doing the regular job. Yeah. So they need competitive salaries. You want to grow it and establish it to where women have a place to play and can make a living on it because it is a job that has to have the right kind of backing. And obviously it's going to take the right people invest, the people that do believe in it. It's going to take the league support because the league in terms of knowing how to manage a hockey league. It's not just... They need the league support for money reasons, but it's how to manage and grow a hockey league. Is the NHL the best at it? No. But do they have more experience? Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people will say like, oh, it's just not financially viable. And there's a lot of naysayers around it. 
if the if the NHL spends that much time with the Florida Panthers and the Arizona Coyotes, mm-hmm. if they can invest that many dollars and that many uh, can that still much expand and not relocate, yes. <laughs> if if they can take losses on things like that, why can't you on a women's league at least at the beginning? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's an important thing that you can invest in that helps grow the game. You're going to have future Olympians, women Olympians, who said, I was inspired to play because of this. And that's probably already coming down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. There's going to be women's players moving forward who said, I went to a CWHL game. I went to an NWHL game. I saw the U.S. win gold. In the Olympics. Yeah. And I remember that from my childhood, and that was a major influence on me moving forward. We're already going to see stuff like that. What we've run into is where history was already beginning and starting in these cities for women's franchises. And the only way it's going to move forward from this point is if that history is gone. And that's kind of sad. You know, um, the Buffalo Buttes had a lot of... um, you know, they, they've made it to championships, they've won championships, mm-hmm. and now they said, we're going to have a Buffalo team moving forward. They never, they didn't say the Buttes are still going to be around, they just had a right. Buffalo team. So right. that's kind of, they, they didn't really confirm, like, I, I'm assuming it's probably still going to be the Buttes, but who knows? Yeah, you never know. And who knows if there's going to be a league when there's this wide boycott, yeah. and that whole league's history is going to be gone. Yeah, and, and that time's going to go by pretty quickly. Yeah. The fall will be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. So get the shit figured out, people. Get yeah. it figured out. Give them a place to play. Make sure they have competitive salaries. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about last Sunday? Last Sunday? You mean championship Sunday? Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> so Cameron. Yes, sir. This is now my third championship. Yeah. My second Stanley Keg. But this is your first, right? This is the first one. So I want to ask you a few questions. On this, because it's a different perspective on everything. And obviously, I have my own perspective we can talk about, but yours first. Okay. The feeling of coming in, and you knew we were kind of rebuilding when you joined the team, and they were building up because we'd gone through a split, where people went to play C-League and everything, and we're trying to grow the team back and everything, and and how we've talked about Beer League. And people make fun, well, it's just rec league hockey, but you're still playing for an ultimate goal, and an ultimate goal is to win, because it's fun. That's the ultimate goal. Yes, you want to have fun during it, but what was it like to be a part of that build and then to go out and know that you had a chance first to play for a championship and then to win that? You know, it just took all the guys buying into a philosophy. Um, you know, the playoffs, it's what we play all year for. Uh, <laughs> Don't be cliche. Answer the damn question, you jackass. Um, no. You put like, a lot of work in. I, we, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I've, like... I've seen a lot of guys on this team put the work in to uh, improve and uh, get better. Um, I personally, like, I'm coming from a very small place when I joined this team to where, you know, I feel like I regularly contribute. Um, I may not always be on the stat sheet, but I do feel like um, I make a difference when I'm on the ice. Um, I try and make the right play when I can. Um you know, it's good to see it pay off for everybody because I think we were talking about it. Um, there's only three people left from the last time this team won a championship. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the first one for a lot of the people on the team, and it feels good. It does. And and for me, just the perspective of my first one as captain. Yeah. I was an alternate. 
last time we won. Um, and so it was, it was nice to be able to build the team and to have people buy in. And I want to say it's a system that we run, but it is kind of a system that we run in terms of our strategy of just going with the four check, a hard four check and forcing mistakes and then forcing turnovers, having good lead passes, and then just working it. And then and relying on, on goaltending when you need to, but also playing sound defense in good neutral zone time. And then when you're in the offensive zone, people go into the net because you've had so many goals that were just dirty goals, rebound goals, and springing guys on breaks and everything. And I think the forecheck is really what made a difference for us a lot. Yeah, finding ways to shut down the impact players on the other squads really goes well. And we do that very well. Um, you know, we always find a way to, you know, get in their kitchen and, you know, <laughs> um, you know, knock them off their game. I feel like we do a good job of that. We do. And it, it's been fun. And folks, if you ever, you know, you see people raising that Stanley keg or anything, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a, hockey's a lot of fun. when you do something like that with your friends, that's what makes it more fun for me is that there's a lot, there's people that I like in the locker room Yeah, you're playing with a team that I like, and you're playing with your buddies that you see once a week. And that's what you go out and do. You play hockey. And you play a game. It's not reliving the glory days. It's not trying to feel like, well, I'm an NHL player. No. It's all a bunch of guys that have day jobs, that have families and everything, that go out and you have fun. And you're talking to the locker before the game. You're talking on the bench. You're having fun after the game. You're, you're sharing a beer together. You're, sharing, you're, you're sitting down and talking and sharing stories. It's fun. Go out and learn to play. If you've ever thought about it, you have an inkling, do it. It will be so worth it because it's just so much fun. Yeah, for me personally, there are no glory days. Like, no, I'm not reliving. I'm not reliving. I'm a marching band. So, <laughs> I was in the stands yeah. playing for those games. <sighs> <sighs> All right, well, let's get into the real reason we're here. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Avengers. All right, folks, if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, we're going to talk about it. The spoiler ban's been lifted yeah. by order of the Russo brothers. It was lifted last week. So no excuse. <laughs> go, if, and if you're still listening right now and you haven't shut it off, then I don't know what you're doing. You just don't care. So okay. let's go into Endgame. And I have an organized list here because of certain topics I wanted to discuss. Sure. So for you, what there, there are obviously plenty of moments in here where you're like, yes. Oh, even if you don't react and say something, I'm Robbie, Chris, who called say there's something wrong with somebody reacting to a movie. Um, what moment or moments, let's keep it to one to three, Sure. made you pump your fist the most? The only moment I recall like actually pumping my fist was, uh, you know, Cap summoning Molinier yeah. and holding it, uh, holding the hammer in his hands. Like that was the only like fist pump I got. Like when they start going into that fight, like I definitely had a reaction then. Yeah, that, yeah. same for me. As soon as that thing starts budging and all of a sudden Cap pulls back when Mjolnir lands in his hand and then he starts spinning it in that uppercut. Yeah. That first uppercut that he gives to Thanos with Mjolnir. I was like, go! Oh. The next one was when finally, because they teased it at the end of Age of Ultron, <laughs> when Cap says assemble. Yeah. Because they teased it at the end where he's like, Avengers? Yeah. Ah. yeah. And then they cut to credits. Yeah. Like, no, come on! But he says that and gritting his teeth. With all the other characters on the screen, ready to go and act, ready to kick some Thanos ass. Mm -hmm. And he says, assemble, and they all go. Now, the other part that made me emotional, and yeah, make fun of me as much as you want, folks. <laughs> that made me start crying. Actually crying tears of joy, because it was like that moment we've been waiting for, was when the first portal appeared. 
Not when he, not when Sam said on your left, but that first portal appeared. I knew everybody was coming back and the fight was happening. I don't know why, man, but I got emotional happy. I was like, <laughs> <sighs> like ready for this moment because I knew the battle was about to begin. Like yeah. real battle was about to go because I've been waiting for this for eleven years. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Kevin Smith sometimes with how I react to stuff. <laughs> I don't think that's that's not an awful thing. It's a natural reaction of a nerd or a geek watching something they've invested their time in. Yeah. So those are those are my moments there. Now next, people make fun. There's there's two different I think stories of Thor and how Thor is portrayed in this. Some people think that he's being fat shamed and being the brunt of jokes. Me, on the other hand, and then I'm gonna throw it to you real quick. I thought they were saying that it doesn't matter what you've gone through. He's gone through so much of a character arc. He's lost everything. Lost his homeworld. Lost his family. Lost his brother. Lost everything. His ship was destroyed. He got to had to witness that. He failed at killing Thanos because he didn't go for the head when he should have in Infinity War. All his failure has gone up to him. But even though all his failures have happened, he's still worthy when he's able to summon Mjolnir. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it was all about. Yes, he's funny and there's jokes about it. But it's also talking about how it doesn't matter how you look. What you've gone through, you can still be worthy as a person. Yeah, and, you know, they need some sort of comic relief in there, and I think it was the perfect setup. And, it, like, it's a reasonable reaction. Like, He's been depressed. Everybody on the planet has been depressed. Half of their friends are gone. He has, like, he has full-on PTSD. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I will mention, though, is... Uh, in the last show, we kind of made predictions of what we expected to happen. Yeah. You mentioned you expect them to find Thanos in the beginning of the movie and lose hard. Yeah. And then they find Thanos in the beginning of the movie and chop his head off. Now, you can spin that. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to push to spin it. Yeah. They did lose because he destroyed the stone. So they, they lost for five years. Yeah. Complete, they lost. Yeah. A different loss. I thought they were going to get their ass beat again. But they lost in a way of they weren't able to bring any, anything back. They had to go through the time jump. So Absolutely. that's the way I battled that. I also thought that Cap was going to die, but it was Iron Man. Yeah. I did not call Black Widow. No. Somebody else, John Jensen, our Milwaukee Animals reporter, he did call Black Widow. Yeah. Um, I felt like Iron Man and Captain America were both going to die. Um, and, like, they're probably not going to be in the movies anymore. So, in a way, Contracts I am correct. Are, yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so, um, yeah. So let's look at time travel. Yes. It's funny because I've, I've seen some people make fun of the time travel thing in this movie. And the only reason they're making fun of it is because of the reason they made fun of it in the movie. Because everyone's reference is back to the future. Yeah. That's not how it works. Time travel doesn't exist. How do you know how it works? Yeah. This is a whole different way of explaining how time travel works. And I get it. I totally, I don't, I don't get how people don't understand it because they explain exactly how it works in this realm, the Marvel world, how they're introducing multiple ver universes based on this. Because if you travel back in time to one of your parts of history, that is now your current present. Because anything there, you're in that timeline, that whatever that spoke is, and it affects that future. That's why I still go and return the stones because the, the Sorcerer Supreme is like, please don't screw us over. Yeah. <laughs> Please, you bring it back so we're good from the darkness and everything here. So I totally understood the way they were mentioning it. And then the whole cap thing is that, well, he had enough pin particles to do what he needed to do. He went and lived his life in a different timeline, basically, and mm -hmm. then came back when he needed to. And he was old and Peggy was gone. And just to return the shield, and there we go. I mean, 
to me, is not a plot hole. To me, that time travel, you can do whatever you want to in the movies yeah. because it's time travel. You're making it up as you go because that's how it is. It's science fiction. Yeah, and we're talking about a superhero movie. Who really cares? Like, exactly. I don't. I don't need the superhero movie to make sense. No. Gamma radiation isn't going to allow you to enlarge and turn green. Like, that's not how that works. So do you really want to break down how time travel works? That's I don't I think so. Yeah. I was fine. I was fine with it. And plus it opens up more opportunities, which we'll talk about with Spider-Man, to bring in other characters. Because right there, with multiple universes, you can now bring in all the Fox tributes that you, that you purchased. Which is going to happen. There's money to be made. It's Disney. They go yeah. make their money. So I was, that's why I was fine with that time. Don't you feel like Disney's going to want to do it in their own way, though? Yes. Like, like they're going to break apart from that. Like, they're going to get their own uh, writers for, um, you know, X-Men and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. The only one who I think is untouchable in that is Deadpool. And that's kind of because right, he's yeah. got his own little niche. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So, and they're going to keep Ryan Reynolds because Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yes. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. No, but yeah, they're... They're opening up opportunities because there's going to be future... Th the MCU is going to continue. This is just the end of this Avengers part. There are yeah. going to be future films that are going to be drawn together because you still have Guardians, you still have Doctor Strange, you still have Black Panthers, all these other ones that are going to come out. After, so there's still things tying together to in the next 10 years. Hope we're still alive. We see another yeah. type of Avengers movie where there's another big baddie to battle. I hope they treat X-Men with a little bit more... Um, better. So well, yeah. like, yeah, do better with X Men. Man, I, I wish that Hugh Jackman would have come along later, because to me, still, because of the way that was cast and his look and everything, he was he really was a good Wolverine. Sure, I'm ready to see somebody else be Wolverine. Oh, I am now too. They totally. they made a lot of shit Wolverine movies. They did, and that's why I'm like, I wish they would have had him come along, like him later on when they would have had better writing. Yeah. That's but, that's my whole thing. I forget. Like him and Logan, I was really yeah. Logan, Logan was good, but Wolverine, the movie that was just Wolverine, oh, it was it was complete. Shit. It I was walked bad. out. It was so bad. I walked out on that movie because Wolverine's one of my favorites. That character, that character in the comics is fantastic, and I he's the anti Superman. Superman is perfect in every way. Yeah, Wolverine so from a superpowers perspective is perfect like he's he's a ridiculous killing machine who can heal himself but from a character perspective he's super flawed and that's super interesting like he yeah. deals with alcoholism and depression but um yeah no yeah. i fully agree yeah fully agree okay so black widow and her ledger so there's also back and forth this on this as well whether it should have been her or hawkeye and it, it all I don't want to say simply, but all goes back to her having red in her ledger and she's trying to make up for it. Yeah. And she still had red in her ledger that she wanted to make up for. And this was what she's been building up for. You even see it in the scene when she's talking to the other Avengers on the screens, but she's the one in charge now. She sacrificed herself. Now, I wish there would have been maybe a little more time spent on that. It seemed that it seems to, it's a three hour movie, but it seemed, seemed to go over fairly quick. On mm -hmm. Vormir with that as well, but she gave the ultimate sacrifice so the team could win. Yeah, and obviously I didn't want Barton to die because oh, he needed to be reunited with his family. Even if he had killed all these other really bad people 
yeah. <laughs> on earth. It's still his three kids and his wife. Yeah. Like, why should he sacrifice that and they suffer? Yeah. That would, I think to me, that would have been twisted. They have to suffer for his sacrifice. And then they knew Black Widow. They knew Natasha. So then she's just like, hey, hi, I'm really sorry Clint died. He sacrificed himself. It made more sense for her for that uh, to happen. Any, yeah. Anything to add to that? <laughs> not, not really. Um, it's interesting because they're going to be coming out with a Black Widow movie. Using young technology, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get into that with the whole Spider-Man uh, discussion as well. We'll see. Yeah. I'm curious because the, the technology, though, because M- Michael Douglas's character yeah. in Endgame, that was the thing my dad responded to the most. He's like, whoa. <laughs> I remember when he looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> But it's pretty cool. The technology's yeah. come along. Well, and same thing with uh, um, Captain Marvel. Yep. Uh, they did a really good job with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Which is interesting because he looked older in real life in that time right. frame than he did yeah. in that movie. Curious. Okay, Iron Man. I've yeah. gone back. Like, before the movie, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I see what you did there. I hear what you did there. Before the movie, I went and watched the whole MCU again, except for Incredible Hulk. Uh yeah. Um, or and I didn't. I didn't even watch Dark World. <laughs> I watched Dark World afterward because we, you have to now. Yeah. To see little things, but I've now gone back and started watching certain ones as well to pick up on little things. So, for instance, in Captain America: Winter Soldier, the song that is playing when Nick Fury's in Cap's apartment before he gets ambushed. I noticed that too. That's the same song that's playing at the end of Endgame. Yep. On the record when he's dancing with Peggy, that's the same song. Also, it's, it. I don't know why I'm the only person laughing when this happens, but the elevator scene, the elevator scene from Winter Soldier is one of the most epic MCU scenes, period. Yeah. And then, like, I'm laughing as soon as Cap enters the elevator because I love the flip that the Russos did on this. Yeah. The full-on flip of the scene, even, they even mimicked um, the one agent reaching for his gun. Yeah. It's the same scene from from that. It's the same little thing. And then... the Hail Hydra. <laughs> yeah. And that was the most promoted um, scene in that entire movie. So, like, that's the most famous scene from The Winter Soldier. Yeah. So everybody should know that scene. And I'm busting up laughing because I'm like, Cap really did this. And it's a throw to what happened in the in the comics yeah. recently, too, where he's, Hail uh, uh, Hydra, Hydra yeah. agent. I'm busting up laughing and no one in the theater is getting it. I did. I, yeah. You're behind me. Yeah. So, anyways... Now back to the Avengers, the first Avengers, 2012, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When they're on the ship and they're arguing after Cap found Phase 2 weapons, you know, of the Tesseract technology and yeah. everything, and they're all heated because that's what Loki wanted, Cap says that Tony's not the sacrifice, the man made the sacrifice to lay his body yeah. on the line. And Tony swarmly, well, I'll just cut the line. <laughs> yeah. You know, not calling the sacrifice guy. It all kind of goes back to that of who's going to be the guy to lay on the line. And Iron Man is the one to make the ultimate sacrifice Yeah. at the end when Doctor Strange does the one. Yeah. Well, Iron Man, or uh, Stark also tells uh, Rogers, like, um, everything special about you came out of a bottle. Yeah. But then obviously we know uh, Steve Rogers is worthy, so right. that's not accurate either. Exactly. That he himself is worthy based on his morals and what he stands for and his moral compass and everything. What's your theory with why he wasn't able to pick up the hammer in Age of Ultron but can now? So, 
it's I don't have a theory because I believe the Rooster Brothers actually addressed this. Okay. When I saw, and if I'm if I'm right, in what I heard because I've listened to so much, I've watched so much YouTube, it's ridiculous. Watch all the interviews. He was actually able to in Ultron. Okay. But he quickly was able to realize he did not want to embarrass Thor. So the theory I have heard is that because he knew um, Stark's parents were killed I've by the Winter one, Soldier, yeah. that, that he was not worthy because he was holding on to a lie or right. a half-truth. Right. And then once that was gone right. and he and uh, Stark had been developing like a working relationship again mm -hmm. then he was worthy again because he was pure from that lie and i can see that i can see that but when i go back and watched ultron and seen cap's reaction where he just kind of shrugs it off yeah not to saying that they were looking all the way back at that but it was a point that they could reference that yeah he really he knew he could do it and that's why i budged yeah and he stopped real quick like he had that much thought again what makes him worthy is that he didn't want to show up his friend yeah, Thor like that. So, I, I I would believe that now. Now the Russos even said that too because his yeah. reaction was like, "Well, guess not." Yeah. Even though he was. Yeah. Because he didn't want to do that. Even though even later in that movie, um, Vision is like here because <laughs> <laughs> Vision's pure because he's not even human. He's trying to discover himself to be worthy. Well, and that's what they reference in that movie is like you know if you put the hammer in an elevator, the elevator's still going to move up and down, mm -hmm. and the elevator's not pure. It's just right. a machine. So right. Yeah, vision was so, but now that it came out too that the last line of Stark saying "I am Iron Man" was actually not originally cut is when they were in the editing and it was one of the editors that said they were trying to figure out what his last line should be is originally silent. Yeah, but like this is Tony Stark and he always has a clapback. He always has something to say. Yeah, because he would always talk and say how he honestly feels. And so they went and filmed that. And apparently, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was not comfortable with it and he had to be convinced of it. At, at first, and then he finally bought in, obviously, because they filmed yeah. it. But it was really neat how they brought it all the way back to the very beginning. Yeah. With how he even, he, even then, because Coulson fed him a thing that he was supposed to say at the end of Iron Man. Yeah. All the cards. He's like, I am Iron Man. <laughs> Off book, which is perfect for, for that yeah. character. Not only that, like, I've heard people talk about how um, that's our generation's, like, Luke, I am your father. Like, you know, I am Iron Man. That's going to be, yeah. like, a quintessential line from cinema. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and at the very end, it's so funny, some of these review sites that want to have an instant review and analysis yeah, as quick as possible after yeah. things, like, there's no end credit, there's nothing, you don't have to worry about staying. There's an end credit audio, and then the Marvel logo comes up, and it's three hits of metal, hammer on metal, from Iron Man 1, and even the Russo said, yes, that is our homage to Iron Man and Tony Stark. By having those three sounds playing. And I remember watching like the day after some random stupid site because I get sucked into it. It's like, you might like this to watch. I said, I don't even know. It sounded like it was ringing bells. What could it be a cue for? Could it be anything? They were trying to read so much into it. Yeah. It was just paying homage to Iron Man. Like it's yeah. so simple. Yeah. <sighs> some of those things frustrate me. But yeah. anyways, they've also added lately, this is our segue, <laughs> by, mm -hmm. by the way. Now, now that it's been out for three weeks, they're yeah. adding in the Spider-Man trailer 2 for Far From Home. That's the end credit now for Avengers Endgame. Really? Because all the spoilers in there, too, yeah. kind of ties in. It's the first time they've ever actually had a trailer play, but that is if people are sitting and waiting because they haven't read anywhere else. There's no end credit scene that they have that because it teases in right into what's coming up. Yeah, so 
The big standout thing for me in that trailer is the possible red herring of the multiverse mentioned. Earth 616. Yeah. So with the multiverse being brought into this, but is brought in by Mysterio. Who is full of shit. Often full of shit. (laughs) He's so full of shit. Yeah. (laughs) So what does that mean from the perspective of... um, Nick Fury's involved. Mm -hmm. Does he know already? And he's letting Spider-Man come to his own conclusion and figure it out on his own. Um, My theory. Yeah. There's a a quick clip in the trailer where he's wearing, where Spider-Man's wearing Tony Stark glasses. Yeah. I have a feeling that's when the realization comes on that that's when he realizes Mysterio is full of shit. Because he's a master illusionist. Yeah. As well, that he is hiding something and that's where he finally sees it. Because I think he's playing Fury as well. Obviously, there's no yeah. way Mysterio is a good guy. There is no. no way that they do that to this fan base, to the Marvel fan base, and all of a sudden, like yeah. Mysterio is a good guy. Everything you've ever read about Mysterio and Spider-Man yeah. is wrong. Even if they could make him a villain later, no, he is a villain. There's something that he's full of shit on. Yeah, and I still think the multiverse exists. But not in the way that he see. Thinks. That was my follow up. What if they try and develop a way to get to the multiverse and do it? And met, uh, he's just like, well, what? Yeah. Now, I do like in the trailer too that nerdy Peter Parker is coming out more because See, he is a genius. And they need that. They need him to pick up the Tony Stark persona of, mm-hmm. you know, I I can accomplish this ridiculous thing. Yeah, I can develop things. You know, I can make things work. When did you, uh, you know, learn thermonuclear physics last yeah, night? Yeah. We, we, you need that attitude out of Peter Parker yeah. because he is that smart in the comics and exactly. in every other uh, portion of that. Um, really need that to come alive and, out and of I'm, him. And that react, in the interaction between him and Happy yeah. is going to be, I think, key as well to keeping the Iron Man. I don't... That the thought of him, the heart of Iron Man there. And you're seeing that in the trailer when he's like, you're going to send Nick Fury to voicemail? <laughs> you don't ghost Nick Fury. <laughs> and I really, obviously a lot of people talk about so I'm not going to say he's underrated, like how people say, well, Matthias Eckholm's underrated. No, people are aware of Matthias Eckholm. Yeah. John Favreau is so essential to the MCU. Yeah. Because without him... The one to Ben and Iron Man. Yeah. And he is friends with Robert Downey Jr. Like, they're friends. They worked on so many movies together. They even did Chef, that movie, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, but he is so, a, such a special part of this of the Marvel Universe that I think he could talk about a little bit more because he's not recent in it. Yeah. He developed a lot of the earlier ones, but his characters continued on and is playing a role. And I love that he's continued to play smaller roles here and there. Yeah. And he's played a role in, uh, like, I think he's still, like, pr- gets producer. producer. Yeah, he gets producer yeah. credits and stuff yeah, like that in a lot awesome. of the movies. But I really yeah. like, I always think back to him the first time I ever saw him was in Rudy when he played Rudy's best friend in that movie. Okay. Have you yeah. ever seen Rudy? Not in a the long, fo- long the, time. But the football movie, yeah, he plays yeah. his best friend. I'm like, Oh, and then all of a sudden, like, he's big director, dude. He's big time. Yeah. He's huge. Well, the scene with him and, uh, you know, Tony Stark's kid gets a little emotional. Oh, yeah. Cheeseburgers, man. And then Mm. it's like what you tell a kid when you're the one grieving. Get your own cheeseburgers you want. It's like, come on, man. Uh, That scene shows me, like, he he doesn't know how to handle the situation because it... He's like this emotional moment with the kid. And the kid, he's like, "What do you want to eat? Cheeseburgers?" And he's like, "You know, your dad liked cheeseburgers." You don't bring up 
like the dead father in that conversation unless you're not in a right also, mind state that kid was so adorable yeah oh and she's apparently in the new godzilla movie really it's coming out yeah because nice. that kid obviously you could tell they had to film certain things because it's a kid yeah but the reactions to the shit moment as well yeah shit it was it was beautiful. And with the MCU, like the Spider Man trailer shows that they need somebody to pick up where Iron Man left off right. and are you ready to fill those shoes and stuff like that? Because that's obvious the direction this thing is going in. However, people pick up the mantle of superheroes in um all the all the time. All the time. It was like Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> saw your little smirk there. <laughs> Um, I think that, um, you know, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show is going to be awesome. Yeah, like I think it sets up their core yeah, relationship is awesome. Definitely. And that scene is so symbolic because everybody's always expected Bucky to take over for Captain America once Chris Evans was out. Right. And, no. you know, Bucky goes to Sam and he's like, no, go ahead. Like he, he knew. Yeah. There's no doubt that Steve told Bucky his whole plan the whole time. That's why he didn't go up to him when he was old. He already yeah. said their goodbyes. And they're talking about like, oh, for I, like for him it's going to be like an hour or so. For us it's going to be five minutes. And you can see Bucky's like, mm. mm sure. Yeah, because they're best friends. Like, he knows. He knows. Yeah. And people, that's what gets me. And of course, I would I would watch a five-hour Avengers film. <laughs> Some things you just have to assume were said and being done and everything. Because people start worrying about, well, how do they do this? How do they do this? Yeah. You didn't have to see the scene between him and Bucky talking to understand that Bucky knew what was going on. Yeah. Because he wasn't freaking out. Yeah. Sam was the one freaking out. Not Bucky. No. Yeah. The mantle goes on, like you're saying. They're setting so many things up for potential young Avengers because you have Cassie Lang, mm -hmm. Ant-Man's daughter... Yeah. You have Morgan Stark. Yeah. You have even Harley. Yeah, you've got the kid from Iron Man from 3. Iron Man 3 who yeah. was good at tinkering and, and doing things like that. Yeah. Showed potential. There's so many different potential characters that they could go with now to keep it going, to have things live on. Because there will eventually be another Iron Man. They probably won't even call it Iron Man, but that's what's going to be is Iron Man. Yeah. Like, it's just going to happen. That's how it happens. Same thing with Cap. There's different Caps that happen. There's just different things. And cool, they brought in Rescue as well. Mm -hmm. Pepper Potts character to bring in to kind of seal that in as well that she would be involved in a battle if she absolutely needed to be yeah. involved in a battle but all those things I don't think you're going to see Spider-Man take the mantle to get back on topic take the mantle of the next Iron Man yet they have to continue to develop him because yeah. I mean Tom Holland's already let it slip there's at least three Spider-Mans yeah. <laughs> in, this, in this series <laughs> so there's going to be another one we have to take the mantle because he has to graduate get through college and everything too so I think there might be time jumps yeah. involved as well because we already have a five-year time jump because it takes place after Endgame. So all of his classmates were dusted then that he's close friends with and they're moving on. See, that was going to be my question is like they must all have been gone at the same time yeah. if they were, you know, yeah. MJ, obviously yeah. Ned, um, really annoying dude, prick dude. Yeah, his name. Uh, Flash. Flash, yeah. Yeah. Who gets his ball slapped in the trailer, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, you work. You work for Spider Man. <laughs> with. <laughs> but but yeah, I think they're, they're setting up so many things for. It's all about build. We can't have anything rushed. Yeah. And that's what's been so awesome is nothing's rushed. Even though we want it, we can eat it up. Where We're do you rushing. think they go? What's going to be the next big bad? See, here's my perspective on this. They didn't rush to get to Thanos right out of the gate because that was a little bit too... Right. Like, they teased him at the end of Avengers. Yeah, but... It was a tease. Yeah. Well, wasn't he in Avengers? Like, um, yeah, at the very end, he did, like, turns around and just smiles. That's it. 
Is that it? Yeah, you have the guy working for him. Yeah, okay. That's it. With that's uh, 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 basically in charge of the Chitari. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Because he's peeking on behalf of Thanos. Because he's not even... Loki's not even big enough to be talking directly to Thanos. Yeah. And they, they, like... They fit in the Tesseract throughout, like, Captain America and all those movies. Oh, yeah. So, like, they're, they're, they were already kind of planning in that direction. But it's very much a slow build. And I, I think you need to sit with that. Because one thing other uh, comic book franchises has really messed up is rushing. Let's have a big superhero get-together movie without any backstory. Yeah. Well, the first one was a big superhero get-together. The Batman and Super- Batman vs. Superman, like all the Avenger- or all the Justice League shows up in that movie. Wait, and like, all you had was the f- Man- was Man of Steel. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they're it's so horrible. Oh, it makes me upset. Um, <laughs> I'm not even like I'm not a DC guy, but you want to see it done right? Yeah. Like, I could be if they made good movies. Because nobody was really into Iron Man before that movie came out. He was Iron- a second-rate character. Yeah. Dude, okay. There was an MTV interview with Robert Downey Jr. from 2007. Yeah. In 2007, before it even filmed. Yeah. And they were talking, they were saying, it's a second-rate thing, and what do you think about this? Like, I just hope I can do it justice, and I'm glad that nobody did this, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But I feel like we can actually bring this character and make it into what we really want it to be, and that he could be awesome. Yeah. And I've said previously... Like, uh, DC needs to make good movie before they can make good movies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're starting to go in that direction. A lot of people liked Wonder Woman. I thought it was a 7 out of 10. So, like, they're going in the right direction. Shazam was good. Shazam was exactly what it needed start. to be. And if they're able to make exactly what it needs to be, they're going to be going in the right direction. Yeah. Because they've just messed up so many times. Like, mm-hmm. But that's the thing. They had little teasers included in that movie, but the overall scope of things wasn't larger than that movie. Yeah. That's what it was about. That's what it should be if you're building. Okay. We, like how that. long have we been talking? A long time, but I think if people are listening, they do appreciate the conversation. All right. I think, uh, I think we need to get out of here. Okay. But it's been fun. <laughs> I love talking Marvel. Folks, if you ever need to talk about it, just please hit me up. Because I'm a geek about this. And I would give this as well, my last little tidbit of advice. For movies like Endgame, for movies like Star Wars, for action movies, things like that, huge, awesome science fiction movies, if you really want to experience cinema in the best way possible, I cannot recommend enough the Dolby, excuse me, the Dolby Cinema at Thoroughbred and Cool Springs. Really? Because the cinema quality, the screen... Black is black on the screen, man. It's not a shadowy black. It is the crispest, the most crisp visuals I've ever experienced. It's better than IMAX. Tenfold better than IMAX. Really? The audio quality especially is better than IMAX. Five behind-the-screen speakers, 48 speakers lining the walls and the ceiling, and four mounted subwoofers. Wow. You shake when you're supposed to shake because you're feeling the rumble. It is an amazing movie experience. I love it. Well, I do need to see it one more time because I've seen it three times. So I need to see it four so it's perfectly balanced. So when are we going? Yeah, so I'll have to go to the okay. Dolby Cinema. Yep, again, that's the only yeah. way I really want to see that kind of movie yeah. now. I'm uh, I'm off the next two days. So okay. We'll figure it out. So also, we have A-List. Right, you have yeah, A-List, right? I do. For AMC A-List. So if you think, you're just giving all your money, go for giving all your money. Yeah. To, to Disney, it's like, yeah, I'm giving some money to Disney, but I have A-list. I pay one monthly fee and I can see three movies a week. Yeah, we did pay to see it in 4DX. We did. Which, those seats were kind of tiny. It oh felt, for God. me, like sitting on a squatty potty for three oh hours. Oh, my God. It my knees were way up here. Yeah. I think it, 4DX is really is cool for certain movies, not for a three-hour film, and not for your first time viewing it. Yeah. But I would recommend it for certain, like, racing movies, flight movies, space movies. It could be really cool. Yeah. So...
Anyways, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Southern Hostility. Goodbye.